midweek at Lenten service, the Old Testament lesson from the 53rd chapter of the prophet Isaiah, verses 1 through 7. Who has believed what we have heard, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground he had no form or comeliness that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. With his stripes we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before its shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The reading of the Holy Gospel reviewing the sequence of events which comprise the Passion history of our Lord. Tonight, the Passion reading is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 26th chapter. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom this Gospel is read. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up and will be crucified. And then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, and they took counsel together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and to kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be a tumult among the people. And now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me, for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And then one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests. And he said, What will you give me if I will deliver him to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain one and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover, and when it was evening, he sat at table with the twelve disciples, and as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful, and they began to say to him, one after the other, Is it I, Lord? And he answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who betrayed him, said, Is it I, Master? And he said to him, You have said so. And now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he blessed, and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. 
For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I shall not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter declared to him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all of the disciples. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Deliver me, O Lord my God, for you are the God of my salvation.
grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friends in our Lord, this sacred season of Lent bids us pause and reflect in penitential posture on the suffering and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. But where do we begin? His pain for us was far more than that to which our own experience could ever relate. The significance of his death for us we can't possibly begin to comprehend because of the limitations of our own mind, because of the hardness of the human heart. And therefore his passion and his death cannot possibly be treasured and adored in this world as would be fitting and proper. But it is good and right and beneficial for us that we do consider our Lord's passion, and so we will. Tonight, then, we, those wounded, wounded mortally by the fall, we begin to ponder our Lord's passion and his death. We ponder his wounds, the wounds he sustained for us. One of the treasures of this place in which we gather here is that it contains for us manifold visible reminders of these symbols of his suffering. The obvious one, I think, is the magnificent crucifixion window. In faceted stained glass, the image of our suffering Savior, the sunlight beaming through it, magnifying the crimson marks of his passion, the crimson nail-pierced piercings in his hands, his nail-pierced feet, his side, the crimson spear mark in it from whence a, a braid is depicted in the window, a braid of water and blood mingling forth and down into communion chalice and baptismal flood. Beautiful. But this isn't the only place here that we see the marks of his passion, the marks of our Lord. This processional crucifix just to, the, to your left of me here. Also, if you were to look closely, also depicts the passion wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly you can look around this place and you can find many other images that depict the same thing. One item, one appointment though, in our presence here that may not immediately come to mind is that paschal candle across the chancel. For me, the paschal candle, the tallest of our sanctuary candles, normally situated, normally standing throughout most of the church here in the sanctuary baptistry. As you look at it and look closely at it, you may not easily notice the marks of our Lord's passion on it. Frankly, you were to look at the Paschal candle far over here and look up closely at it, and you don't even see Christ depicted on it. But the marks are there on that candle. The marks are there, five of them. Five ruby red jewels, blood red jewels, if you will. Ruby red jewels in the shape of a cross born on the side of that candle that represents Christ. These five jewels, they depict the five traditional precious wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ. One, to represent the wound of Christ's head. A second in the middle, to represent the wound that he bore on his side. The two on either side of that in the shape of the cross to represent the wounds in his hands and one at the foot of the shape of the cross to represent the wound inflicted upon the feet of our Lord. Friends, as this Lenten tide, we, those afflicted by sin's mortal wound, ponder our Lord's passion, will be directed in our meditation by five wounds of Christ. 
the wound to his hands, the wound to his feet, that wound to his side, the wound to his sacred head, and the crushing wound to his soul. For it's his wounds, these wounds, it's by these wounds, so said the prophet, that we're healed. And so these being our guide tonight, we consider and contemplate the holy hands of our Lord Jesus Christ. What do we say of the hands of the Son of God? Well, they're hands like ours in so many ways. His hands like ours once were very small, hands that instinctively learned the comforting and reassuring feeling of grasping a mother's little finger and holding on tight. And as time went on, that infant hand grew with that infant to become a boy's hand. And that hand slowly outgrew the regular grasp of the mother's hand in exchange for the customary grasp, the frequent grasp of a quill. And those hands of our Lord were then used to to pen words and to guide his young eyes across the scroll that he was learning to read. All of this as he grew, Scripture said, in wisdom and in stature before God and man. And as he grew in wisdom and in stature, I have little doubt that those hands of our Lord were put to work in his earthly father's carpentry business. An understudy, no doubt, of Joseph. I can imagine those young, those soft hands of his daily and weekly becoming raw and then calloused as he attentively learned the craft of working on wood and working with wood and hammer and nail the very things that one day would pierce those precious hands of his. I can imagine our Lord humbly and obediently putting his hands to use, being about the the business of his father's trade, or respectfully being about the tedium of daily chores at the request of his mother. His hands, really so much like ours. Like us, he used his hands to wipe the sweat from his brow after toiling, To acquire his daily bread like we do, he used those hands of his perhaps to to help prepare the daily bread, but certainly to lift that daily bread up to his mouth. Because like you and like me, he needed sustenance and nourishment, being fully human, at the same time fully God. But knowing well that man does not live on bread alone, our Lord too would fold those hands or raise those hands of his in solemn prayer to his heavenly Father just as we do. It's remarkable when you think about it in just how many ways his hands are like yours and like mine. But dear friends, in so many ways, in so many other ways, his holy hands are so unlike ours. His hand, his almighty hand, was present to lay the very foundation of the world. His hand determined the world's measurements, his hand stretched forth the firmament in the sky. His hand placed the countless luminaries in their places in the sky, in the firmament. His hand traced for the planets their orbits, for the comets their paths. His hand has drawn the line in the sand of the shore where the proud waves must stop. In his hand, says the psalmist, are the deep places of the earth, and his hands form the dry land. His hand sheltered a nation, and by his hand he led them out of bondage. His hand parted seas and leveled armies. His hand, not so much like ours. Consider his holy hands and how in so many ways they're unlike our 
unholy hands. His never were active in those things unbecoming or unfitting of the children of God. His hands were never idle in laziness. They never laid hold of what rightly didn't belong to them. Unlike ours, his hands were never clenched in unjust fits of rage. His hands were never extended in abuse toward another. His hands never were accomplices in ungodly acts of sexual sins. His hands were never busy in the business of unkindness or hostility or immorality of any sort, open or in secret. His holy hands were always about his heavenly Father's business in perfect active and passive obedience. Obedience to the law of God, whether that law came thundering from heaven by the voice of his heavenly Father or spoken softly. Spoken softly by the voice of his God-appointed mother. His holy hands, so unlike ours, full of healing, full of help. How many times did they reach out and touch the untouchable and heal the lame and embrace the downtrodden and welcome the children? His holy hands reaching out to distribute a miraculous feast of fish and, and loaves to the hungry. His holy hands reaching down into the deep and churning seas for a brother to raise up Peter and all the disciples for that matter, from the deep and troubling storm of fear and doubt raging within their souls that day in the boat. Consider his holy hands and how they did nothing but serve the unholy, girding up loins to wash unclean feet. Consider how and consider why these sacred hands, as we heard, took bread. And after he gave thanks, they, the hands, his hands, took that and broke it. And by those hands, he gave it to the disciples and he said, take and eat. This that I'm giving you, it's my body. Ponder how and contemplate why these holy hands of his then took the cup after supper. And after he had given thanks, these holy hands of his passed that cup into hands that were so unholy. And he said to them, take and drink. This is my blood of the New Testament shed for you for the remission of all of your sins. Dear friends, the hands are the tools of the mind. And the hands are the agents of the heart. And therefore behold them. And let them tell you just what you mean to Jesus Christ. For you, his hands remain still, even while others were beating him and slapping him and scourging him with theirs. For your sake, his hands embraced the weight of the cross as he stammered under it to a place called Golgotha. For your sake and mine, he stretched out those holy and those precious and life-giving and sustaining hands on the cross and permitted those hands to be pierced through with nails of iron meant for the condemned and the ungodly. I tell you this, though. It wasn't the way in which those nails were driven into his hands that fixed him to the cross. No, it was his passionate desire for you, his zealous commitment to hand to you heaven. And to take you by the hand and, and lead you there. 
the love of the nail-pierced hands of our Lord Jesus Christ. And were we to stop and consider it all, we would determine most certainly that there's no safer place in all of the universe for our salvation to be than in the nail-pierced hands of our Lord Jesus Christ. For what did he tell us? Do you recall? The good shepherd said to us, he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They shall never perish, nor shall anybody snatch them out of my hand. You see, he won't forget you because of his hands. For thus saith the Lord in the Old Testament, For I have graven thee, saith the Lord, on the palms of my hands. I have graven thee on the palms of my hands. Tonight we consider hands. Our hands, his hands, our hands over against his hands. Considering our hands over against his hands, perhaps you might feel like you're the one in that famed sleepwalking scene from the Shakespearean classic Macbeth. Perhaps you recall it. It's been called a, a theatrical tour, of, tour de force, this scene. One of the most celebrated scenes in all of Shakespeare. Lady Macbeth and her husband have seized the throne of Scotland. Taken was what was not theirs to take. Seized it by treachery, by murder, cover up. And the guilt and the plague of the wrongs past, they simply won't leave Lady Macbeth alone and, and her guilt haunts her. Sorely, and it follows her, the guilt of King Duncan's blood on her hands pursues her and penetrates even into her dreams. So that by Act 5 of, of Macbeth, she's found walking and, and talking in the hallways of this castle. And so we come to the famous scene sleepwalking down a midnight hallway, lantern in her hand, rubbing her hands violently. Rubbing her hands violently, she utters one of English literature's most famous lines, uttering, vi rubbing violently her hands. She yells out, out damn spot, out, I say, out. And then she says, will these hands never be clean? Will these hands never be clean? You wonder, will these hands never be clean? Because of his hands, they already are. Ponder tonight the works of Christ's holy hands. And then let us give thanks for all that they've done. In his blessed name, amen.
O Lord, have mercy. O Christ, have mercy. O Lord, have mercy. O Christ, God the Father in heaven, have mercy. God the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy. God the Holy Spirit, have mercy. Be gracious to us, spare us, good Lord. Be gracious to us, help us, good Lord. From all sin, from all error, from all evil, from the crafts and the assaults of the devil, from sudden and evil death, from pestilence and famine, from war and bloodshed, from sedition and from rebellion, from lightning and tempest, from all calamity by fire and water, and from everlasting death, good Lord, deliver us. By the mystery of your holy incarnation, by your holy nativity, by your baptism and fasting and temptation, by your agony and bloody sweat, by your cross and passion, by your precious death and burial, by your glorious resurrection and ascension, and by the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Help us, good Lord. In all time of our tribulation, in all time of our prosperity, in the hour of death and in the day of judgment, help us, good Lord. We poor sinners implore you to hear us, O Lord, to rule and govern your holy Christian church, to preserve all pastors and ministers of your church, in the true knowledge and understanding of your wholesome word, and to sustain them in holy living, to put an end to all schisms and cause of offense, to bring into the way of truth all who have erred and are deceived, to beat down Satan under our feet, to send forth faithful laborers into your harvest, and to accompany your word with your grace and spirit. We implore you to hear us, good Lord, to raise those who fall and to strengthen those who stand, and to comfort and help the weak-hearted and the distressed. We implore you to hear us, good Lord, to give to all peoples concord and peace, to preserve our land from discord and strife, to give our country your protection in every time of need, to direct and defend our president and all in authority, to bless and protect our magistrates and all our people, to watch over and help all who are in danger, necessity and tribulation, to protect and guide all who travel, to grant all women with child and all mothers with infant children increasing happiness in their blessings, to defend all orphans and widows and provide for them, to strengthen and keep all sick persons and young children, to free those in bondage and to have mercy on us all. We implore you to hear us, good Lord, to forgive our enemies, persecutors and slanderers, and to turn their hearts, to give and preserve for our use the kindly fruits of the earth, and graciously to hear our prayers. We implore you to hear us, good Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we implore you to hear us. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, grant us your peace. O Christ, hear us. O Lord, have mercy. O Christ, have mercy. O Lord, have mercy. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, you did once offer up your only begotten Son, that by his wounds we would be healed. We ask that you keep our eyes fixed on our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. May we ever recognize in his precious wounds our refuge from all guilt, the forgiveness of all sin, and the promise of life everlasting. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you.